1: Yeah.
2: Good evening and welcome to Charlton Live. This is the Big Match Preview. I hope you guys are well. My name is Louis Mendez. On this week's show, we will, of course, be looking ahead to Saturday's home game. With a Bristol Rovers, we've got plenty of other things to chat about as well. So, joining me to be part of that conversation, first up, Mr Nathan Muller. How are you doing, Nathan?
3: Not bad, mate. It's been a been a while since we played and I was enjoying myself watching another sort of style of football and stuff and then got a sudden realisation that we've got to, got to come back to this league One malarkey. So, um... Yeah, it's all good, mate. It's nearly Christmas.
2: Uh, I don't know what you've asked, Santa. Yeah, well, I'm asking for a higher average of through balls per (laughs) game than zero, (laughs) which we just found (laughs) out, Chuck, on average, zero through balls per game. Uh, Although that that sounds awful, but it turns out, for some reason, apparently 13 teams out of 24 in League One average zero through balls per game. Uh, It's an amazing what sort of rabbit hole you can get onto when you find a website with stats. Also joining us uh, to uh, speak about everything that's been going on, take over, chat, what else uh going on as well is mr joe uh are for doing, joe
4: yeah <clears throat> yeah all right louis just about thawed out from stockport ready for the snow to fall so i'm um, looking forward to getting freezing cold watching us again on saturday
2: yeah cheers always good to have mr puddles on uh, as well <laughs> so uh before we dive into uh, looking ahead to the uh, bristol rovers game we've got um plenty to chat about i mean there's a little bit of murmuring isn't there about takeovers uh, that we're going to talk about shortly we've got um the chair of the China Athletic Supporters Trust, Heather McKinley as well. They had a big meeting at the start of the week to try and discuss i don't know the the next step for fans as well so we'll hear what heather has to say about what happened in that meeting the managerial search we'll hear from the caretaker anthony hayes and whether he wants to throw his hat into the room we've got your tweets uh, and your emails we've got rachel newborough from the women's team Uh, and then of course we are looking ahead to the bristol rovers game we'll hear from anthony once more Uh, we've got tom from Gascast as well to tell us all about joey barton's side so um Let's dive straight into the murmurings about the takeovers, uh, potential takeovers. I mean, there's certainly stuff going on in the background. Richard Corley uh, tweeting this afternoon. I do believe that there are discussions going on uh, with uh, Thomas Sangard over at CAFC and that they might be a factor in the managerial search as well. There's too much external noise now uh, that negotiations are in play. I'm not saying anything is imminent, uh, but if someone was looking to either invest or buy the club, then being in before the January transfer window would surely be a priority. Uh, They would also want to say in the next boss's appointment. So, we've been here before Naif. Um, you know, it is getting to the stage where I think, you know, and we'll hear from this uh, this trust meeting in a few minutes time about I think it would seem the majority of fans are ready for a change in ownership. It does seem perhaps that, that Thomas Sangard, maybe behind the scenes, is becoming more open to the idea, whether he's going to say that in public or not, of course, is a a different matter. Um, but, yeah, Richard's hearing there's murmurings. We've, we've seen other people mentioning it as well. Uh, it's, it's probably about time. Are you full of optimism or just dreading what comes next?
3: Um, I just, I've been here before, mate. You know, I, I still remember the days of Zabil. I still remember the days of those. And I thought we were going to be the next big thing. And then that didn't turn out. But um, it just seems like we have more bloody ownership rumours, more than transfer rumours in the last few years. It's just a bit just like link us with a decent player or something, you know, like change it up a bit. But no, we're going down this one again. So um, again, I've been there before. We'll just, I'll see what happens like I did the last time. Don't know if we do get a new owner and whatnot. But I mean, I must admit when the whole thing with Ben Garner happened, I did think it was a lot closer than it was. Maybe that's just me trying to be optimistic, but I can only foresee, you know, he got rid of Ben because you know it was part of the caveat of a deal was he he done the dirt and got rid of him before they come in so but then obviously it might just be that he, he was a bit outspoken and they didn't get on who knows but um i thought it was a lot sooner but yeah there's rumors and murmurings of i don't know talent agencies and i don't know it's probably aliens who probably want to invest in us i somewhere um but i'm just one of these people to just see what happens mate and I think what, what what will happen, I think this time, is if we do get taken over, a lot more people are going to be a little bit more cynical and a little bit more apprehensive, shall we say, in terms of the welcome they'll get to see whatever. If they, like I say, if we do get taken over, what, what are they going to say? Is it going to be false promises or empty promises rather? Because everyone's been burnt before. So, and like I said, I've been here, I don't know how many ownerships I've been through now since I used to have a scene their apprenticeship days, but there's been far too many.
2: Yeah, I mean, it is a, a bit of a merry-go-round at the Valley, but like I say, we have reached that stage now, Joe, where it, where it seems like the, the likelihood is that it will be time for, for Thomas to, to move on. Um, yeah, how, how are you feeling about the whole situation at this moment in time?
4: Well, it's it's reached an impasse, hasn't it, really? Um, I don't think Thomas can can conceivably rescue the situation and continue. Uh, even if his intentions were good. the the uh, One thing I was discussing this week is uh, the fact that Thomas's company in America has an, a number of different claims against it for, for dodgy business practices, um, which at first I was sort of willing to overlook, but it seems that perhaps that is a bit more of a trend with him that's going to stick around. And if that's the kind of person that he is in business and if this is the way he's going to run the club then probably he's not the the man that we're going to want at the helm the problem is is that there's lots and lots of dodgy people out there and our record on January takeovers is spectacularly poor because that's ESI 1 was confirmed I think January 3rd, Roland was January 2nd and I think the uh, Jimenez and Slater was in January as well. So it's not exactly like you're, you're coming into this with a great track record although we've got three terrible ones out of the way so we must be due a good one at some point soon.
2: Yeah, Merry it, Christmas, it, we're, everyone. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we're all sitting there desperately hoping we can hang on until February to get the new owners over the line. Um, excellent. I mean, it did come all to a bit of a head this week. You know, we had the uh, the, the trust had their meeting on Monday. This is the supporters trust. Um, it was called in, in the uh, aftermath of, of the Stockport County FA Cup defeat. Um, and yeah, this meeting happened on Monday. and There were hundreds of people there. It is, is quite a big a big moment i think for the for the fan base you know obviously there's uh, there's people who look at the way trust the trust do things and want to do it a different way that's fine but this is certainly the biggest grouping of Chomp fans you know have paid up membership um, a lot of people went to this this meeting and, and, and votes were had and whatnot. Um, so I think it's interesting that we find out a little bit more about what did happen uh, during this Zoom chat. Now on Monday, um, Heather McKinley is the chair of the uh, China Athletic Supporters Trust. She chaired the meeting uh, as well. Uh, I did speak to Heather yesterday. I asked her, first of all, why this was the right time for this meeting to take place.
5: Yeah, I mean, it really came about, Louis, straight after the um, Stockport match and... We were obviously communicating as the as the trust board around at that time. Um and I think, you know, obviously everyone was really low. Um we just watched a, a very poor performance and I think it was kind of the culmination of a lot of concerns that had been coming out. Um and I think we just among ourselves felt we've got to do something here. We've you know, it's we can't just let let things let things carry on as they are um and there is a lot of clamor on social media among fans for what do we do where do we go how do we how do we get ourselves out of this situation and i think as you know as the supporters trust in that case we we felt we we had the facilities and the the capability to call a meeting so we just checked what was the quickest we could do it, and that was Monday night. Um, so we we put word out that we were going to we were going to make a meeting happen, um, and then we we got ourselves organised over the next couple of days to get it set up and get the get the link out there and get people to register. So um, it yeah it was really it was it was pretty much a, a direct reaction to the what had happened at Stockport, but equally that kind of just pulled together all the all the issues that that we're facing at the moment
2: Mm, no it's interesting actually yeah because I guess supporters of other clubs looking in from the outside would 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 be surprised to suggest it is only reactionary to a specific result but if it felt like perhaps maybe the culmination of, of of the last few months as well that was just sort of tipped over the edge that that Stockport game perhaps that the camel the, the straw that broke the camel's back but it, it does feel like this sort of unrest amongst the supporters has been building up again but well I'd say since maybe the the, the end of last season and throughout the summer
5: yeah I mean completely and I don't want it was almost the the Stockport the Stockport performance and result was the the trigger to set up the meeting um but it, absolutely, I agree. I think we felt that the relationship between the club and between ourselves and the owner has been becoming increasingly, increasingly fractious. Um, the last meeting we had with him was was not a very successful one um, in terms of partnership working or anything and when we suggested that we could possibly possibly help um we were very much told that it was our role as fans to um just turn up and cheer on the team and though you know i think that that kind of almost summed up the tone of that meeting very much he he was not approaching the meeting in the spirit of how we could work together and plan together to deliver success for the football club so
2: so, uh, yeah tell us a little bit about what actually happened in the meeting then so so obviously there was there was a lot of fans present but who who was there who, who spoke what sort of um what was the
5: tone of the meeting
2: I mean, it, it was a, it was a
5: very good meeting I think if I'm allowed to say that as the chair of it um, we had 550 people um, people online as participants at its height so that probably means you know 650 700 actually listening in because we know that often there are a couple of people in a household listening Um, we did put quite a lot of effort into organizing it because we felt you know it's it's all very well to say we're having a meeting (laughs) but then it was like right okay how do we make sure that we make it a A productive meeting and our our goal was to make it as constructive as possible that we would actually come out of it with some tangible next steps and that it wouldn't just be a a kind of moaning and venting um occasion and so we we kind of set the scene for it for it from there it was also really important to say that this although cast hosted it and cast sort of organized the setup and you know the, the zoom account was paid for by um cast member subs Ultimately, it was really important for us that this was an open meeting and we had John Whitfield, um, who is a representative at the Fans Forum. He was on the panel with us. Um, we had Ben Ransom, who's a Sky journalist and a Cholton fan to give a media view. Ollie Groom joined us. Um, he obviously has to be careful about his own specific situation, but he could talk more broadly about what you need to make this, a success of a football club um, on the inside. Um, so we also had Rick Everett um, say a few words at the at the beginning in terms of what he understands the current situation to be regarding interest in the club and the situation that Sandgård's reached. And he was pretty firm on saying that he didn't feel that now was the right time for out-and-out protests and that, we're at the stage where it's really important we show the football club in the best possible light and what we don't want to do is end up with, you know, the the atmosphere at the Games becoming increasingly negative and that impacting, impacting the results and the performance because we're on the verge of the relegation zone at the moment and the worst thing that could happen for the football club overall is that you know, we end up in the middle of a relegation battle and, you know, and end up in League Two for the first time in our history. So um, actually keeping behind the team, I think, is, is a really important message at the moment.
2: That's interesting, of course, because that 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 seems to be the stance that that's come out of the meeting. But obviously, there are quite a lot of fans out there who feel that now is the time for protest. You know, we've seen we've seen protests from uh, from from Cast as well as others against Roland Duchatelet, Um, obviously against the SI, there were there was massive protests at the Valley as well. Um, I mean, what do you say to those people who who think that now is the time for protest and 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 suggest that that the trust would take these? Uh, uh perhaps going a little bit too nicey nicey with thomas Sangard by by not not saying now is the time to 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 really sort of start to disrupt things at the valley
5: i mean I, from the the meeting that absolutely was not the um majority feeling at all and we had 200 people put comments in during the meeting um and Richard Wiseman of of Cast who's been pulling together the meeting notes that I think we are just publishing. Um, He's been through all of those comments and he counted up. And I think there were um, 12 mentions of protest of which 10 were saying, let's not protest right now. Um, And only two were were saying that they felt that now was the time to protest. Um, How we approach things with Sangard, it's a very different situation than it was with de Châtelet. De Châtelet didn't engage at all so that made it extremely difficult to actually get our points across and if you like we had to go to him um, going to Belgium um, getting the media the media attention to almost like show him what was going on at the club. Sangard is different from that in that he he has met with fans and he is due to attend the fans forum tomorrow night as far as we're aware So we firmly believe that the best approach is to actually make our position very clear to him. I think he probably does have a good grasp of the fact that he has pretty much lost the fan base. Um, But we will spell that out to him at the fans forum meeting tomorrow night. Um, That's assuming he's there and it goes ahead. Um, And we think that's the best way to do it. And that was that was very much the mandate we got from the meeting. Um, We think we need to just be a little bit careful here that the majority view of the fan base isn't overwhelmed by a few noisy people um, who ultimately actually want the same outcome um, for the club to move on and be in in new hands. Um, But for whatever reason, the way they want to go about it is to be quite aggressive, including to other fans sometimes, which can become quite you know well i don't i don't think helps us achieve what we want to achieve as a football club um and i think you know now is the time it's really important that we've all got the same objective so let's all pull in the same direction um i'm not saying don't protest that's if individuals want to get themselves organized and and do something that's up to them and you know it's it's not my role or cast role to to tell tell fans what to do um but we feel that protests at the moment would be counterproductive um Mm. and that it's much much better to just face up to Sangard, um spell it out to him plainly where we're at um and then we can move on to the move on to the next step from there
2: yeah and and to be clear then obviously the 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 fans forum meeting tomorrow we'll have Cast representatives, and I assume they will be telling Thomas that they think it's time for him to sell.
5: Um, Castwell and John Whitfield, who um, is a member of the Fans Forum on behalf of Fans for Fans, um, he was, as I say, on the on the panel at the, at the at the open meeting, and he is fully behind delivering that statement to Thomas Sangard as well at the meeting. Um, and you know, we 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 believe it's actually in the spirit. Of, of what the fan representatives at the meeting as a whole um feel and it's it's right that we put it across firmly and in person face to face to to the owner
2: and just finally um i've seen out of this meeting that there's a suggestion that, that this this cholton charter is going to be put together can you just tell us a little bit about that um and and what 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 it hopes to achieve and and, and i guess what you expect the reaction of that to be from Firstly, from Thomas Sangard, and, and secondly, from any new owner that would that would come in after him.
5: Yeah, we're, we're calling it the Addicts Charter and it developed very much You know, once we've called the meeting and we're saying, right, OK, you know, how do we how do we organise this meeting and make sure that something constructive comes of it? And I think we feel that the fan led review has made all of us think quite a lot about you know what the football club means in more tangible terms and, you know, what and i think our, our own experience at chelton in the last few years of ownership struggles has has really crystallized for us what the what the non negotiables are if you like so you know things like replacing the red red robbing. um we know how that went down when that was tried um but beyond that support for the academy um letting the the team managers get on with their job and actually manage the teams without day to day interference staying true to our community and family values working properly in you know within the local community and with local businesses and sponsors all things like that are really really important as Chelton fans and what we what we aim to do is put that together in a one-page document um we're just finalizing it at the moment we had a draft at the meeting Um, We took some comments from the meeting. We've done a little bit more work on it since and we'll be publishing it, if not tonight, then tomorrow morning. Um, The the point of the Charter is to really uh, say this is what Charlton's vision and values are all about. I don't know, sorry, that sounds a bit corporate-speak. I don't really mean to be corporate-speak. It's more about this is what Charlton means to us as fans and in terms of any ownership, a football club is more than a commercial asset, it's a community asset. And what we're seeking, and we don't think it is too much to ask, is an owner that comes into the football club that shares those values and respects those values. And it's a way of just making that a bit more concrete than trying to discuss that at a first meeting with a new owner or an initial meeting when you know that someone someone's interested in the club. And as I mentioned, the fan-led review... And some of the, the items in the charter very much play towards the direction of travel of the fan led review that we're still very optimistic that the government will be proceeding with over the next over the next few months. Um, so we're maybe just a, a step ahead of the game on that in that sense. And in that way, we don't feel it's, you know, it's, it's not too much to ask as fans that our football club is is treated with respect and looked after. The one thing I would just add about the Charter is that um, what we publish now is not set in stone. We we still see this as very much a consultation process with fans. So we very much, we will publish it for consultation. um, And if anyone feels there's anything missing or that anything isn't clearly expressed, then we'll, we'll set up a mechanism for people to provide those comments. And we want to get to a stage where this is a document that, all addicts can really stand behind and say, yes, that's, you know, that's, that's what we are looking for from an owner of our football club. Um, and it, and, you know, we'll ask people to, to kind of put their names to it and stand behind it. And again, it's very much about cast, cast is trying to make these things happen, but this is very much, it's really important for us that this is not just about what cast is doing. This is about what Charlton fans are doing.
2: There we go lots of uh, interesting insight and detail into what happened. Uh during that meeting on Monday Nathan you were there in, in person. I mean is there anything you can you, you can sort of add, add add about what what happened, how you came out of it feeling?
3: Uh I was tired. It was a long one, I ain't gonna lie. Um it was a I was expecting a good couple of hours an hour and a half or so, but it ended up rumbling to about I think it was about quarter to 10 I think we got off in the end. Of, um but like, listen, it, yeah, it was I can understand why they did it. Um, and I know that the chart's come out and it's got some scrutiny and everyone's entitled to that, but I think it's just the case that something needs to give now. Um I think in my opinion, I think Thomas has probably had enough. I mean, it just seems very different in terms of the, the you know, previous quotes about blowing the league out of the water and would be you know, saying to the Steve Parish will be that be there in five years and stuff. Something's changed, um whatever that is. Um and it's just got to a point now. But there was a couple of in short, there was a couple of um, people who, who put their points across and I thought very well. I think one of the chap's names was Malcolm. He was just saying, well, he's, you know, Thomas has to be asked the, you know, the difficult questions now in, in the meeting, in the fans forum and not to sort of go over the sort of catering facilities of Bovril and that sort of stuff. So I think everyone was just, uh, everyone was quite apathetic, but everyone's quite concerned and naturally everyone is. Um they just don't really know what's going on, so it was it was it was good. But I think the, the, it's going the proof will be in the pudding after after today, really. But it, what what can he say? He, he's not going to come out and say, "Yep, I'm selling," um, because then obviously that he puts his negotiating powers down a little bit, doesn't it? So it it was good. It was good to see everyone, and obviously Lauren Creamer was on there, and obviously the Heathers and all the other and the, the financial statement review for it, on it was really quite concerning. Really, that um, it doesn't paint a, a bright picture. But I mean, obviously the, the documents are out there for everyone to read. But yeah, it was good. But it was it was very long, mate. But it did need to be done for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, plenty came out of it. Um, the, the Addicts Charter, which which is something that the trust have sort of typed up and and released. Uh, Today, you know, a number of, uh, I guess what you'd you'd, um, you'd say is, I don't know, like uh, agreements that you'd you like a, a new, a, well, either the current ownership or a new ownership to to sign up to. You know, I spoke to, uh, I asked Heather what, what she felt it could achieve. Um, I mean, is that is that something you were on, on board with, Joe? I mean, the sort of, you know, people saying that community and family values would be at the heart of the club, it's affordable, That the club is run from the valley with a competent and experienced CEO, um, a board of di- uh, directors who follow legal and best practice governance uh, principles, engagement with the community and sponsors, etc. Fan engagement is integral, uh, You know, keeping the core tradition, giving the men's and women's teams uh, managers freedom to build their squads, uh, the academy being supported, uh, a clear and considered, and costed plan to reunite the cl- the ownership of the valley and the training ground with the club, and addicts are f- uh, proud to say their support. Charlton Athletics. So a lot of um, a lot of points in there. I mean, I mean, do you think this can be effective, Joe? I,
4: I mean, I think that everything in there is 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 a very strong point, and and really should be the minimum that a football fan should expect of uh any ownership model the the problem that you've got is how much can the fans make someone who owns the club act in that way that is always going to be the the challenge to to get that cut through I think that when it comes to football ownership you're always going to have a slightly eccentric uh individual taking it on because that's just the nature of buying a football club and you don't necessarily do it if you've got all of the uh, sandwiches in a picnic. So um, that's going to be the challenge to get that coming through. I think it is important for us that we have a strong trust and a strong sort of fan base that that has that representation um, and is willing to take on that sort of mantle and that sort of position with ownership because that will make it, I think, a bit harder and a bit more daunting for characters who don't necessarily have the absolute best intention but as we've seen throughout the football world, people will do whatever they want to do and they will destroy clubs at their whim. So there's always going to be fighting against the tide a little bit on it, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen and it shouldn't be something that, that we as a fan base are trying to put in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I asked Heather in that interview there, Nathan, it seems a resounding message out of that meeting was now's not the time to protest. And that has raised questions some some fans because... You know, we have protested a lot over the years and and that message that they, they don't think it is the time to protest. Some some now are saying well perhaps the trust are pussyfooting around Thomas Sangar too much and and letting him off the hook there. I mean, what's your view on, on, on that? Because like I say that the, the majority of the people in the meeting didn't agree with that. They thought now is the time not to protest. But it's certainly a, a message that's being purveyed elsewhere. Yeah, I mean uh, I think Rick
3: Rick Everett put a Brought up the point about in in his opinion, he didn't think it would be a good idea to start the protest. And to be fair, I, I agree to an extent um, in terms of Rick that you don't want to deter anyone um, from buying the club. But in the in the, you know in the same breath, there's so many people out there who are frustrated and you know are worried about the club. And you know who am I to? You know to tell people you know they shouldn't protest or whatever, but I can see both sides, and I know that's a bit of a sit on the fence answer, but that's how I feel. I I don't, I wouldn't blame anyone for blaming anyone for doing it, and then I wouldn't judge anyone if someone didn't. So, um, at the end of the day, everyone wants the same outcome for this football club, whether you're pro protest or, or you're not. Um, but there are people out there who are really concerned and are very vociferous, and that's their right to do so. And if they're not happy, they're more than in the right to do it so do i i I can't i can probably see there's going to be some discontent somewhere along the line but at this point in time i can't envisage it being to the levels of um roland when you know plastic pigs i know there's been rumors about blow up guitars and all that sort of stuff and that might happen who knows um but i can't see it getting to the levels of roland as yet which is mad really because we're probably at our lowest point. I think it was your your piece, um, Lou, about you said we're lowest ebb or something in you know a long time, and it's mad really that we are in that. But I think a lot of people are just fed up, mate. And 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 what else can they do? They can't. And like Joe said just now, we can't. There's only so much influence or so much control we can change. And um, with an owner, because ultimately we don't write the checks, um, and that's the way, I think that's where the difficulty is, mate.
2: Mm. And, and I guess the the message uh, certainly from the supporters trust and, and from Heather, as we heard there, is you know we, we need unity as a fan base. Try and cut out the, the the infighting and the arguing. You know, like it's it's fine to have a difference of opinion, but you know if you if you want to go about the the way you challenge Thomas Sangard differently to the trust, obviously you can do that. But focus your energy perhaps on the owner and not on other Charlton fans at this moment in time, Joe.
4: Yeah, I mean. We've we've got to be a united front and present a united front um, because the new owner coming in is is, if if a new owner does indeed come in is going to I think come into a very tricky situation because he's going to come in or he or she uh, will come into a lot of um, cynicism uh, a lot of negative energy um, just generally around the club and also a setup which has gone backwards significantly um just the the difficulties of not owning the ground not owning the um a training ground we don't have the level of staff and the expertise in the in the club that we did under roland Um, so you are sort of taking on an even more poison chalice so i think fans coming together and showing that there is a a united front that that we are there to work with the right owner and we want the right people in is is a good message to send protests are are, are always a bit of a touchy subject and I think that potentially some of the noises coming out um, are potentially due to maybe a few people who are a little bit more involved than, than we may be sort of knowing the types of owners that's what I'm hoping for that that people like Peter Varney have a good idea in terms of um, uh, why they would suggest that maybe we would take a slightly different approach now and i think as long as you've got people like that advocating in the right way for the club that maybe they deserve a little bit of a pinch of salt and a, and a bit of leeway to um and a bit of respect for their views for the foreseeable future and then you know if suddenly they go quiet or they say it's gone cold then we can uh have a, a complete change at any time can't we
2: mm, excellent stuff right well um obviously uh because ben garner was sacked by thomas Sangard. Uh, well a couple of weeks ago now we are uh, still searching for a manager now Thomas did uh, release uh, well some information via the fans advisors Lucy and Lewis um, saying that the search uh, the managerial search could take weeks uh, rather than days um, as we heard there in in Richard's tweet at the top of the show maybe that might be a part of, of the negotiations or who knows but that does mean we are still with uh, the caretaker boss uh, Anthony uh, Hayes um, so we'll uh, having been in the job for uh, or just over a week now, really, it was it uh, was asked uh, today, um, you know, if he's any thoughts of of his future. And first of all, when I mean, he was asked, uh, coming over from uh, from Ireland, uh, you know, when he first came over to the UK, was that with aspirations of becoming a first team manager?
0: If, I, if I'm being brutally honest, no. I think when I initially started off, I wanted to come and prove that I could work professionally in the UK because I wasn't good enough to come over here and play. Uh, I think in the last couple of years, I realised my skill set could be best suited towards working with senior professionals. And, and when I had the opportunity to come and work in the first team environment this season, uh, and, and being around it day to day, I could see that maybe at, at some point in my in my career, I'd like to to put my hat towards being a head coach. I think I spoke to Louis actually recently that that would have been a couple of years away, because um, I, I still need to grow and develop, and I've got plenty of learning to do. But uh, listen, I'm in the position that we're in. I think the Valley is a special place to play. Play your football. Uh, and and like I said last week, for the time that I'm leading this, I'll do everything I can with the with the staff that we have here because we're desperate for that group of players to, to achieve some success. And, and hopefully that starts on Saturday with three points against Bristol.
1: You said it wasn't necessarily playing, but I mean, it may be a little bit too early, even if it was. Um, there's uh, the environment you've been thrown into a little bit, really. Uh, and and as you mentioned before, the turmoil. that it is. Um, you're hoping that doesn't necessarily... No. Stoking your uh, your your plans because uh, you don't want a bad experience to, to bring you
0: up No, listen. I, I think I've learned a lot about myself in the last week. But one thing I'll always back: yeah, I have great self-belief in my abilities as a coach. You know, so do I feel at my depth in terms of being on the grass? You know, no, that's that's my sanctuary. Uh, and I'm looking forward to 3 p.m. on Saturday really because that's where the talking stops. And it's a case of two teams going to war, and obviously we want, we want to come out on top. So uh, you know, I don't feel daunted by the challenge. Uh, like I said, I've been thrown into it a little bit, but. Uh, I definitely don't feel out like of my depth because um, I've got a great belief in myself as a coach and I've got great people around me to
3: support. First question was, again, a bit of a
0: timescale thing
3: with this. Has there been any more conversation with Thomas about um, the caretaker role and, and how long you could be in that position? Because he he's indicated, I think, earlier on in the week via the fans' advisors at the club that it might take uh, weeks rather than days to, to change the situation. I just wondered if you'd had any further conversation about that.
0: No, no, no time scale, uh, Rich. Just a case of uh, this week, my, my full focus has been on preparing the players for Bristol. After this week, I'll, I'm sure I'll have a conversation with uh, with the owners, uh, moving into a new week.
2: There we go, that's Anthony. Um, so yeah, sort of probably making it clear at this moment in time, it is probably a, a little way down the line before he's going to throw his hat into the ring for a full time job. Um, Nate, but I guess you know, same as we probably said for Bo when he was caretaker boss, and 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 for Jacko when he was caretaker boss, you know, it it, isn't, it doesn't do your experience levels any harm. So for him, this will be this will hopefully um teach him a few things, which I'm sure I'm sure it will, and and then we'll we'll probably go back to to thinking about who will be the, the next manager full time. Which to be honest, it doesn't feel like something we've we've discussed a lot in the last couple of days.
3: Yeah, no, I think it's a good opportunity for Hazy really to get, you know, get his hands on a on a, on a managerial job or a head coach job. Um, and as you say, with Jacko and Bose came in and done that. I think the only difference really is obviously they had good footballing careers at quite a high level. Um, in Johnny Jackson and Lee Bowyer, um, Anthony didn't really have a a football career at a high enough level, but he's obviously well-regarded in terms of coaching and come from Brentford and whatnot. Um, but like I say, he probably isn't ready for it yet because he's still learning his trade. He's still very young. Um, I don't know how young he is, actually, but um, I know he's he's quite young in terms of a football he's manager, but he's, 60, it's a great experience for yeah, him. I looked
2: it up the other day, yeah.
3: Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's so it's, it's still quite quite young. So he's still got a couple... I know he's, he's only literally a few weeks ago past his... Uh, UEFA pro, hasn't he? So he's still new into getting, you know, learning his trade as a, as, a, as a coach. So, but the experience isn't going to harm him. I mean, he's he's in a win win for me. If he's not expected to get the job, he's got a, a clean sort of break on trying to bring what he gets across. But I think him and Ben are similar in terms of philosophy. So I don't think much is going to change. I don't think we're going to go to a four four two, get it wide and cross it in the box um, anytime soon. Um, but, you know, it's a good experience for him and he can only, you know, he's been trusted with the the poison chalice, if you want to call it that, of taking the managerial job for the foreseeable. And he can only just concentrate on preparing the players and winning games of football, which is hard because we are in a situation where we're lacking in confidence and not winning enough games at the moment. Mm,
2: excellent stuff. All right, let's have a look at a couple of emails that McSquared said. So first it was Nigel Sadkins. Uh, then it's Johnny Saxon, and now it's Ben Gonner. Uh, and of course, there were multiple uh, dismissals when Roland Ratt was pulling the trigger as well. Uh, the loss to Stockport was inevitable and tantamount to a walkover. The club has become a laughing stock. The joke is definitely on the fans who have supported the addicts through thick and Finn. What a pity the owners can't be fired for incompetence. Uh, anyway, drastic action now needs to be taken before the club heads downwards uh, in towards uh, oblivion. Um, at least it was clear that Roland didn't give a fig about and in many ways t- what Thomas has done is far worse he sold everyone a dream and built everyone's hopes up uh, only to come up extremely short his silence over the past months has made things even worse uh, at least if he owned up to his many mistakes and being honest with fans there might have been the possibility uh, of redemption now I fear there's no way back yeah it will be fascinating to see what comes out of the uh, this evening's fans forum meeting uh, with, with, with Thomas and uh, yeah the various different fans groups. right? Simon says, hi guys, just a quick thought with Bournemouth just being sold for 100 million. Uh, just how complex and unattractive are Charlton right now? Yes, Bournemouth are a Premier League club, uh, but the ground is tiny compared to us. And whilst the South Coast is nice to visit to uh, or retire, uh, it's not uh, London, is it? Any aspiring football would rather set up in London Surely, I find it amazing that no one has swooped in and considered our stadium, catchment area and proven fan base. Uh, to set against a three- to five-year plan to achieve promotions, all of which makes you wonder just how complex a deal it is to buy Cholton uh, and how now it become uh, with the club and property, property separate, uh, various loans and interest making us all less attractive than Bournemouth. Similarly, I don't get the current lack of investment under Sandgaard. Uh, better to spend than go up, uh, then sell as a championship concern, and then piddling about with free signings and loans, which just gets you another year in League One. at uh, All costs, no growth, and you would still need to spend the next year to get out. Anyone in business knows you invest uh, to grow, and you don't keep doing the same or less and hope for a different outcome. Can uh, you run some regular fact-checking features to look at these factors like metrics and like next spend, loans, and free squad, sky, squad size injuries, uh, so as fans we can keep uh, track, keep up the pod despite the chill winds in se 7 That's from Simon. Cheers, Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, ho- hopefully, you know, as we said, if there are things in the offing, then hopefully we are in a, in a position where we we aren't too unattractive that, that no one will have a go at us. Hopefully, there will be a way to bring the stadium, you know, the property back into the the hands of the football club as well. But let's see what we'll, let's see what happens over the next however long. Uh, because you know this is cholton this is a takeover sometimes it takes uh, takes a long time but we'll see what happens right let's have a quick break when we come back we'll start to turn our attention uh, to the home game with Bristol right Yeah. Jaden Stockley.
6: That's Christmas. Charlton Live.
2: Right, welcome back to Charlton Live. This is the big match preview. The Addicts are home to Bristol Rovers uh, on Saturday at the Valley. There's also a home game on Sunday. The women's team playing Crystal Palace uh, in the Conti Cup. Now, hopefully uh, featuring will be Rachel Newborough, who's, uh, well, being out uh, since February with her ACR problem just returned to action recently and uh, she spoke to the club uh, just to find out uh, how good that feels to be back in action.
7: Yeah, no, it feels amazing. Um a really long time out, my first long-term injury. Hopefully my last as well. <laughs> um but yeah, appreciating a healthy body and just enjoying being back in training and back into the match day squads. So yeah, no, I'm absolutely buzzing. <laughs>
8: and how was that how was that period in the sidelines for you
7: um yeah difficult very difficult um I think it kind of comes in waves I think initially um you're kind of in a shock phase where you're thinking oh it's not so bad it's gonna be okay and I think the hardest part for me was the first two weeks after surgery um where you literally can't leave the flat um your leg is an absolute mess like the <laughs> scars initially were horrific your leg's huge um so that was like the hardest part for me and on so many drugs that you just don't even (laughs) you can't concentrate on anything which is horrible I think in an athlete's body you're not used to having anything like that so (laughs) it is really difficult um but yeah and you know having like the teammates around us and stuff like they were so supportive like they bought me they actually went and bought me a guitar um for my time off so I started going on that um but obviously his life's got busier that's taken a bit of a back seat but yeah no it was really difficult it is a lonely place you know being in the gym sort of by yourself or just with the S&C coach and watching out of the window while everyone else is training but um it's a good reality check to sort of make you appreciate what you've got um I think I was quite lucky getting to like 25 without any kind of long-term injuries so not that it was coming but you know you kind of like see the positives from it as well.
8: And a big game at the weekend against Crystal Palace, how much are you looking forward to
7: it? Yeah, exactly. We love a derby game, whether it's the Cup or the league. <laughs> but I won't say too much, it always gets me in trouble. <laughs> but no, we love a derby game. Um but I think one of the great things, obviously, when we went to Selhurst Park was that this year we didn't you know, need to make a huge song and dance about it being a derby game. We know if we just treat it like any other game, then the quality of our squad will, will shine through and do the speaking on, on the pitch. <laughs>
8: And what what are your personal aims
7: moving forward for the rest of the season? Yeah, so love to get game time, hopefully on the weekend in the Cup. Um, And yeah, there's no reason why promotion couldn't be on the cards. Um, And personally, obviously just won lots of minutes on the pitch. Uh, Get back to full confidence and and hopefully help in leading the team.
2: There we go. Great to hear. Uh, Rachel uh, back on her feet and uh, back on the field as well. Uh, A long time servant uh, for the club. And, uh, yeah, obviously we wish her all the best as she continues her recovery and continues uh, playing, Uh, looking ahead to that that cup game against Palace. We've already beaten them in the league at Sellers Park a couple of weeks ago, a home game uh, against the Eagles in the Conti Cup on Sunday. Uh, Hopefully we can uh, get another three points against them. Right, Bristol Rovers come to the Valley uh, on Saturday, in very good form. They've only lost one uh, of their last 10 league games, whereas that's the opposite uh, for the Addicts. We're uh, we're not winning games, unfortunately, at the moment. It's particularly not in the league. We've gone five now uh, without victory in the league. And uh, only three wins in our last was it fifteen, sixteen in League One, so not 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 ideal form. Uh, so we are heading to this game obviously on the back of a bit of an injury crisis as well. Uh, Anthony Hayes was asked to look ahead to the game, and first of all, we've asked if there are any players likely to be back. Yeah, I think um,
0: I think Miles and Torreira are too close. Just I think for both uh, Saturday will be too close uh, for, for either of them. I think Miles realistically could return against uh, Brighton. I think that's definitely achievable. Torreira probably Peterborough, uh, but they're the two closest ones. I think. Uh, this time of year, you're always vulnerable to, to flus and viruses, and we've had we've had seven or eight players have various different bugs, uh, and some haven't trained this week at all. Some will train today for the first time, uh, and some have trained and, and soldiered on. So we are where we are. It's the time of year for it.
1: So uh, does that mean come Saturday you're going to have to um, think about the squad in terms of it doesn't necessarily pick itself? You've got to really look around the squad to see can Yeah, buy.
0: yeah. I think uh, today will tell a tale in terms of who's fit and available to train. Uh, we'll come tomorrow morning. I want to be very clear on my mind to uh, what the squad is, and we'll, uh, we'll put our mark in the final preparations tomorrow.
1: On Saturday, you've got Bristol Rovers, uh, they're four points above us in the table. And after a difficult start of the season, they've um, they've gone on a real run. They've only lost one in the last uh, 11 league games. I think um, they're top six in the scoring charts, but also uh, top three in goals conceded. So um, it'll be a tough but could be a lively game. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, I think I think the last league defeat was at the end of October. I think it was against Derby. Uh, they're a competitive, um, honest, hard side, and I, I'd expect nothing less than the Jordan Barton. But I also think they've got a good mixture to their game, and I think in young in young Collins, they've got one of the best players in this league. You know, his numbers uh, speak for themselves in terms of creating and scoring goals. So he's someone that we have to be very aware and mindful of. But like you alluded, to, there's some vulnerabilities there as well, um, and and we've we've got a lot of threats in attacking positions. So. There'll be spaces for us to exploit. It's just a case of maximising those moments on Saturday. In terms of um, the run of form at the moment in the league, five without a win. Um, it,
3: how much is there a case of needing to build up some confidence in the players now, Anthony? As well, you know, it, what what what's the kind of now, what is the kind of confidence levels like?
0: Yeah, I think naturally, Rich. When you don't win games of football, your confidence can be affected. Uh, the one thing I have said. Uh, I don't think we're a million miles away from turning it around. Um, As a a collective, as a group, you know, fans and that, we're all hurting um, because we all want to do better. Um, So we're in a position that we're in. We can't feel sorry for ourselves, but also we can't play with fear. You know, we have to go into games fully believing that we've got a group of players capable of winning football matches, which which we are. Uh, I don't think the question over this group has been, can we win football matches? It's been, can we win football matches consecutively? Um, and like I said, we have to find a way to win on Saturday and start
2: picking up some points. There we go. That's Anthony looking ahead to the game. Uh, yeah, we, I mean we need a, an injection of confidence into the side, Joe. As we as we heard there from from Anthony, um, it's a shame. Obviously Lee Byrne and, and Terrell Thomas on the way back, but not for Saturday. So it, it doesn't give us a, a great deal of extra options. I guess Jaden's back now. That's uh, that's one thing we can we can hang our hat on.
4: Yep, Jaden is back, so we've gone from 0.3 to 1.3 strikers fit and available. So, uh, yeah, I mean that's the strategy for success, according to Thomas, at the start of the season. Uh, I I feel very sorry for uh, for Anthony Hayes having to um, uh, try and sort of sort this problem out because they're, they're low on confidence. I was at Stockport; that was um, that was horrible from from start to finish. Um, four goals scored, and we didn't even score a single one of them. Um, it's going to be a challenge, I think, to get the players necessarily up and, and motivated with all the noise going around the club as well. I, I don't think they're necessarily thinking that there's bodies running through the door in January ready to rally to the cause and support them and push them on. I think there might be a fair few players thinking, oh, maybe I want to get out of here and the owner can cash in on me. So I don't know how Anthony Hayes is going to bounce all that up and get a, a side out, really, that, that going to be too competitive. Uh, it's one of those where... As If you're Bristol Rovers, you're sort of rubbing your hands, you can't believe you've got this coming in uh, and down the line. So I think it's going to be a bit of a slog. I think the attendance is going to be low. And I think that, genuinely, we're, we're probably on a hide into nothing. So I've said all that and we'll obviously win 4-0 now.
2: <laughs> yeah, it is, it's, it's tough to get up for it at the moment, isn't it, Nate? But obviously, you know, we as fans, we, we can... Almost, uh, almost accept the inevitable, but the players can't. So Anthony does have a job on his hands to to lift that morale and to find a way to win with with the squad we have currently available. If that is bringing Jaden back into the side, you know, finding a way to get the best out of him. If that is, you know, still young defenders featuring. If that ends up the case, or a Sam Lavelle who who's struggled, you know, a Ryan Innes who who's who's had a couple of mistakes recently, you know, th- these are the the things that Anthony will in, in his caretaker reign. I mean, these are the things that could be. Could make or break his, his little tenure here you could show him to be a a great coach and a great tactician if he can find a winning formula with the you know the, the hand that he's been dealt which isn't necessarily a great one
3: yeah i found, and I, I think looking at it like the Stockport game the, the all the goals were avoidable i mean we were let we were just letting them cross at will we weren't stopping crosses, and when they did come in we weren't strong enough um defensively for me' it never looked like scoring um I know we scored one, but it's not like we cut them open or anything. Um, and I think that's a concern for me at the moment. It's like not, a lot of people aren't looking forward to going because of the current stuff happening in the background, and rightly so. That's not going to help. Uh, um, but the last few, you know, apart from the Ipswich game, obviously that was a bit of a crazy game and a one-off that happens once in a blue moon. But I just can't, I just can't see a scoring like you know, Chuck's. I know Chuck started a game and it didn't look the same. You know, I know you have tried. Ben tried DJ up there and Kirky and it just don't look like scoring at the moment so he's going to have his work cut out for sure um, but look come Saturday I'm probably going to wake up in a, in a in a great mood as I always do and look forward to the game Train strikes brilliant so that's going to be a long journey in but and I'm just hoping like I don't even care like how we win if we win 1-0 and it's a penalty last minute I don't care because I think the lads just need a win and um, and yeah, and it's, like I said earlier, it's down to hazy now to try and build something, not build something, but try and get results doing it his way. Um, and, you know, when, whenever he's, his tenure comes to an end, if it comes to an end, obviously, um, he can only say that he's done his best and, and we've he's, he's tried to win some football matches. But yeah, it's tough going at the moment. Um, mm. And it will be sad to see if it is a low attendance again. But you can understand it, mate.
2: Oh, yeah, certainly. I mean, we're four points above the relegation zone. That is with a game in hand after our uh, trip to Morecambe last weekend uh, was postponed. Um, yeah, we, we we need a result. And, and as I said, against the side that's banging in form. Now, Tom uh, from Gascast can tell us all about Joey Barton's side. They're sitting in 12th as I said, just one defeat in the last 10 uh, in League One. They're three points outside the playoffs as well. So how would Tom rate the start to the season so far?
8: Yeah, another one kind of similar to last season where we started slow and then it kind of builds and builds. I mean, obviously last season ended in promotion on the funnel day quite dramatically and not kind of expecting anything like that this season. But we we started the season with quite a few injuries um, in kind of key areas, especially midfield. So we're kind of hot prodding teams together. Um, and it's slowly now kind of starting to starting to click for us I mean we're, we're fourth in the form table at the moment after 10 for the last 10 games so it's just kind of yeah just a settled side a settled formation no like big injuries now we're kind of firing on all on all cylinders so it's, yes yeah, it's, it feels like it's kind of wide open this season as well for anyone to try and get into those playoff places which I know we're, we're miles off at the moment but we're with the form we're on I I don't see why we couldn't maybe sneak in there by the end of the season
2: yeah I mean you're only three points outside the playoffs in terms of points obviously places it's a bit more sitting down in 12th but as you said I mean it's only one defeat in those last 10 games as well so other than injuries can you put your finger on what on what the
8: turnaround was um so we had it was it's mostly (laughs) um just a swap of formation like we've Gone from a back three to a back four and then back now to a three-four kind of um three four three essentially, which is Joey Barton's preferred formation. Um, or sometimes it's a, a three-four-two uh one-two. But the the main thing is the back three. Um, you know, Connolly Thomas and Gibson are all really good ball playing centre backs, and that's what you kind of need in a back three, whereas when we haven't had those, when we've been playing players like Luca Hall or, you know, Alpha Kilgore back there, it just kind of then disrupts the rest of the team because you can't get a foot on it at the back and kind of start to play out. Um, those have been, that's, I'd say, the biggest impact. We also um, got so- Scott Sinclair back um, to the club quite late on because uh, he was a free agent uh, quite late on in the seat at, after the transfer window, if you see what I mean and he's made a a massive improvement to us um, playing unusually for a winger at right wing back doesn't do a massive amount of defending but he doesn't really need to for what he gives us kind of going forward so all those factors weren't there at the start of the season we had some dodgy results and then as as those kind of bits have been put in place we've just got just better and better I think.
2: Mm. I mean obviously you mentioned Joey Barton there he's your manager he's a an outspoken character, you know, and, uh, and, and, and has, has had his, um, his, his runnings with, with various agencies throughout the year, throughout his life. I mean, what, what is he like as a manager? You know, to, to, Is it easy to get behind someone like that? I guess it is when he's delivering results. But he's certainly, like I say, he certainly had a bit of a, a checkered history.
8: Yeah, he's, he is one that kind of divides opinion. Um, the people who like him really, really like him and the people who don't really, really don't. And you kind of get everyone else in the middle who tends to go with um, more with what he's delivering on the pitch. So yeah, he will come out and say, like make really un- outspoken comments, but they, <laughs> they're quite controversial at the time. But then actually, if you kind of take the passion out of it, a lot of what he says kind of makes sense. So you kind of like, if you just kind of delivered that in a in a more palatable way people wouldn't be up in arms about it so much but managerial wise um he very organized team very fit teams he really doesn't accept anyone giving anything less than 100% effort like he's really on that and he he's not afraid to call players out uh, in public he's done it with um Anthony Evans this season where um he's kind of been playing below par for the ability he has so far this season called him in, well, called him into the office just basically told him to his face like you're not doing good enough like you really need to buck your ideas up but you can imagine how Joey Barton delivered that came out in the <laughs> press said he'd done it and then like we saw the results he had his best game of the season against uh, Bolton last week so you know it it will work where it's a bit tough love and he does recruit characters for that but when it works it works really well and anyone who's not and I'm going to use a Joey Barton phrase, mentally strong enough, they'll just leave, um, which is absolutely fine. He's He's got his style and he knows what he wants. So it's he's very single minded in that way. So as long as you buy into that, you're, you're golden with him as a player.
2: Yeah, well, just just hope he wasn't smoking a cigar at the time he was delivering that message. <laughs> um, so we, we've been through a shared experience, obviously, Tom, um, a, a manager in Ben Garner who came to both of our clubs lasted less than half a season at both of our clubs. Um, Give us a little bit of an insight into what went wrong at Bristol Rovers, because at Charlton, obviously we know, well, we feel there was a a lot of disappointment from Garner with how he was backed by the board. I mean, did messages like that come out from the manager when he was at at the gas as well?
8: No, like quite the opposite. He was really well backed. So he'd come in um, with the kind of ideal that we'd switch to more of a like kind of Brentford model where we, snap-up players who are on the up-and-up, train them because he's a really, like, hugely respected coach. It's not really translated to him for him as a manager so far. Like, you know, he had that spell at Swindon where he looked good, but mostly his strengths for me are, are on his coaching side. So he he was backed by the board, brought in loads of kind of young, hungry players. Um, but it just, in League One, you also do need... You, you need your bruises and you need your experience and it, it just really didn't work and unfortunately because I do feel like he does get a bit of a bad rep He gets a bit of a bad rap from the from the Rovers fans because the season we got relegated he was in charge for a long 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 spell of that and he did the majority of the recruitment for it as well so you kind of look at it and you're like do you know what it's probably about 60% your fault that relegation but the job he was given by the board, he, um, you know, it's kind of set up to fail in a way. Um, I just don't think it was ever going to work to be able to do it in one transfer uh, window to say, okay, we're going to swap from just being a regular League One team to being a, a development type side and kind of, you know, cut our cloth accordingly and try and make a profit on these players, the ones that we can sell, kind of like posh do it extremely well but you have to kind of go out and buy the best talent. And we were kind of trying to do that a little bit on the cheap. Um, as a as a kind of man in his in his post-matches, I, I don't know if he did the same at Charlton, but he'd always kind of blame the referees and, oh, yeah. you know, external fact. Yeah. And it was kind of like, come on, just take a bit of responsibility. You know, like, yeah, I can see, you know, when you do get a bad decision, you just got to take it on the chin and be like, right, you make your own luck. We should have been two no up already they get a dodgy penalty whatever just leave it at that don't then go on about like drone on about the referees and how terrible they are and all this kind of stuff and it's just like yeah a bit um yeah a bit slopey shouldered on that front um so yeah i don't know what was he what was his post-match like it at, at very... <laughs> yeah very
2: very similar very similar in terms of yeah he, he did like to go after the referees um, I mean, he had a moment when he got sent off against Ipswich where he uh sort of marauded down the touchline, throwing his arms into the air, it looked like he turned into the Incredible Hulk. But uh, you know, he's been, he's been on gone now, sadly. <laughs> sadly, for, uh, for for him, certainly. I mean, just finally, then looking ahead to uh our game on Saturday. Um, I mean, if you had to pick like a, a star man or two in the Bristol Rovers side that the Charlton fans will need to be wary
8: of, which ones would you go for? Um, I mean, the obvious one is Aaron Collins, um, second highest scorer in League One at the moment, highest second for assists as well. Separately, he's been our star player by far and away. He's made the step up from from League Two magnificently. Really quick on the ball, really intelligent. He, like I said, scores assists. He does he does it all. He's a bit of a diver, so I'm sure I'm sure the Charlton fans would be on his back for that because he will inevitably go down under the lightest of contacts at some point um so yeah he he's going to be key to to us getting anything out of the game the only other player i'd um pick up be sam finley um really tiny little scouse midfielder um described signed to from at sorry
2: is he signed from Atkinson?
8: Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. So,
2: so he's got a reputation at the Valley, Stampy Sam Finley. So he stamped on Lyle Taylor's head, which to, to be fair, a lot of Charlton fans wanted to do after he left the club. But yeah, when um when yeah when he was at Quins he stamped on Lyle Taylor's head and got a, a free game ban at the Valley, that so yeah, he'll get a good reception.
8: Yes, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, you know, his the dirty side of his game. He he is a he is a very <laughs> robust uh tackler but also his his um his leadership and his his creativity which does go a bit unnoticed because you know once you see a player as a bit of a, a violent thug kind of thing you that's all you label him as but some of the assists he's put on this season have been incredible and he has the ability to basically run a game because he can tackle a box-to-box kind of thing he can really dictate the tempo of a game so yeah Collins and Finlay would be the two that I'd uh, say stand out men.
2: There we go. Great to catch up with Tom uh, as well to learn a little bit more about the, uh, the Bristol Rovers side. The uh, funny quote from um, from Joey Barton earlier on today. Uh, he was asked. <laughs> his um, thoughts on the situation at, at, Chal- at Charlton and effectively said he, he didn't care. D couldn't give a monkey's was the quote he, uh, he he provided to the local press down there. So uh, good good to know we're always in Joey's minds as well. He it, it doesn't care at all, does he? There we go. Right, uh, we've run out of time on this week's uh, Big Match Preview. Thanks to those of you uh, who's joined in. Hopefully you give a monkey's about Charlton. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm uh, Louis Mendez. We've uh, had Nathan and Joe with me as well. Good, good to speak to you guys this evening. Cheers,
4: boys! Cheers, boys! Don't be strangers.
2: We certainly won't. Good to speak to the pair of you. Uh, we I'll shall see be back on Sunday. <laughs> see you later. <laughs>